The following is a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. Welcome to another episode of Life as a Life Schooler, where we talk about how to merge life with homeschooling. I'm Danielle Papagiorgio, and today I want to talk with you about some of my favorite and some of my most recommended homeschooling books. Last time, if you heard our last episode, we were talking about um, the same topic, but we narrowed it down, focused in more on the, uh, books that had to do with educational philosophy, um, kind of the foundation of homeschooling. Well, today we are going to talk about um, books that have more to do with, I guess you'd say, the how-tos of homeschooling and really the nuts and bolts of this whole thing. So we're just going to go through some of these books that I have on my shelf that I recommend to others. Some of them um, I've read cover to cover. Some of them not so much, <laughs> but not because I don't want to. But, you know, there's only so many time, so many hours in a day. And um, but these are books that I do highly recommend because I have read enough of them and know enough of um, of what they're about to to be able to highly recommend them. So without further ado, let's just jump right in and talk about some of these. So first of all, my very favorite how to homeschool book, the one I recommend to pretty much every new homeschooler, and this one I have read cover to cover, is Mary Pride's Complete Guide to Getting Started Homeschooling by Mary Pride, of course. <laughs> and if you know this book, if you've seen this book, um, I think that uh, you'd be even more impressed that I've read it cover to cover because this thing is a monster. I think it's about 800 pages or something. Really big um, book printed on um, newsprint, just a really basic, it's, um, you know, that keeps the cost down, which is nice. Um, but this is my favorite resource to recommend, particularly for brand new homeschoolers, because this is the book that I read years ago when my kids were young and we had already jumped into homeschooling and we were moving along. But, you know, I just didn't, all I knew was what I knew. And that was the school system way of doing things, very traditional school type of thinking. And, and so that's what I did with my kids. Um, we had the, the desks and we had the map on the wall and the flag and the whole nine yards um, trying to bring that school model home. And I just didn't know there was any difference until I picked up this book and I went through it. And here she's talking about 12 of the most popular homeschooling methods and all these different philosophies of education and and um, talking about people like Charlotte Mason and some of these educators from long ago who had really studied this and worked with children, Maria Montessori. And I just had this whole new world opened up to me because, um, like I said, I just didn't know that there was really any other way of doing things. And so um, I had just been going along doing all that I knew. So I really enjoyed this book and it really got me thinking in a different direction and it was really the key to me saying, okay, well, what do I really believe about education? What is the best way for me to educate our children? 
at home. And she talks about all, all kinds of things in this book from, um, you know, different learning styles, the, of course, philosophies and methods, as I'm mentioning, but educating the gifted or special needs child, testing and evaluation, and all kinds of questions that any newbie would have. And I'm just going to um, take a look here at the table of contents. So she starts with, what's it all about? What's so great about homeschooling? How has homeschooling changed? Answers to your questions about homeschooling. Why, so many fam why do so many families homeschool? Ten things you need to know to get started, and you can do it. And then it just goes on from there to talk about um, 12 steps to successful homeschool um, is another section. How kids really learn, a whole other section. Education 101, popular homeschooling methods. And, and she just goes right through everything that you can possibly imagine. Um, and then at the back, what I also enjoyed about it was that she does have a resource guide where you can find um, ways to, where to find curriculum, um, how, to, how to start homeschooling groups or co-ops and, and things like that. And, just a lot of really wonderful information. Now, some of it, I don't know if this book has been updated recently. Mary Pride is a one of the homeschooling pioneers. So she wrote this book, I believe, in 1985 or 86. It's been around a long time. Um, so if there is an updated version, uh, I would recommend checking that out because then, you know, of course, the Internet has come around since since the days of the early days of the modern homeschooling movement. So you might want to see if you can pick up an updated version, but definitely worth having on your shelf. And I could kick myself because I think I've now owned two copies and I've loaned them out. Um, so I actually had to jump online to, to read off that table of contents to you because I don't have the book in my possession right now, which is terrible. And in fact, when I was, when I was writing up the show notes, I actually went right to Amazon and ordered another copy. That's how important I think it is to have on my shelf, even though I've read through it once. It's just one of those books you want to have and hang on to. Another book that I would recommend is called Playful Learning, Develop Your Child's Sense of Joy and Wonder by Mariah Bruhl. Now this book I am holding in my hands right now, and it is just a lovely, lovely book. It has a nice weight about it. It's just a paperback book, but it's printed on those pages that are like smooth and, um, you know, just just uh, thick, high quality papers, um, pages. And that might sound kind of silly. I sort of go on and on about it in the show notes, but there's something about a nice book printed on nice paper and with beautiful color pictures. It's just inspiring. I think I said in my show notes, it's kind of like like holding someone's Pinterest account in your hands. Um, it just, I like a book that when I pick it up, it inspires me to organize and to, um, to just, to just do better, to just, just make things look nicer in my schoolroom, my homeschool room. Um, it's just one of those kind of books. And it goes through and just talks about ways that we can help to guide our children's play. Now, of course, that can be carried too far. I think that we need to be careful about um, 
you know, getting in the way too much of our children's playtime because that's how they learn and that's how God designed them and they don't need us to interfere and organize everything and, you know, have some sort of a, a set routine and schedule for their playtime that gets a little out of hand. But what I like about it is they give you these wonderful suggestions to sort of make the atmosphere more welcoming to our children and more um, inspiring. Just, you know, it's inspiring to me to look at the books. So to do all these things, to set up these, these um, areas where your children can play and explore, I think would be very inspiring to them as well. So I'm looking here at a picture on one of the pages um, of an area that they've set up for bird watching. So they have this basket filled with these stuffed birds. And I imagine, <clears throat> excuse me, I've seen these birds before that you squeeze them and they chirp like that particular bird, whippoorwill or a woodpecker or whatever it is. And so they have a basket filled with those birds and it says bird watching on the side in this pretty little label with bows. And then they have some shelves with writing supplies and um, you know binoculars and and different things to encourage that particular play exploration and then on another page here they have a place um, where they've hung some um, scientific I guess you'd call them diagrams and things like that of flowers and some pictures with with the flower petals and labels. So it just, again, it just gets your juices flowing. It, it's inspiring to figure out how you might set up some areas for your children to play and to explore the world around them and um, make it a, li a little bit more of a structured type of activity. Um, so that's definitely one that I love to have on my shelf and refer back to from time to time. Another great book that I need to pull out and finish reading one of these days because I started in on it, oh, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago now, but it's just a wonderful book. It's called Project-Based Homeschooling, Mentoring Self-Directed Learners, and it's by Lori Pickert, and um, not, not from a Christian perspective. Neither of these last two books are from a Christian perspective to my knowledge. I've read enough of them to, I think, infer that. But it's still a really good book about education and about, um, you know, I, I guess what I want to, want to say as a caveat um, is just when you have a book like that, sometimes it, it sometimes they can be a little more child-focused, perhaps, than than we would like. But there are some really great ideas in here in this project-based homeschooling book that really inspired me with the whole life schooling thing that we do here in our home um, to just really help children with their own projects and how, how you can um, encourage them in what they want to do. And... Again, I just think that's so important because God has given our children these special gifts and and they're exploring those. Now is the time when they're young, when they can explore those gifts and figure out what it is that they want to do with their lives, what it is that God wants them to do with their lives. What, what are these gifts that he has put in them? And so 
this is just a great book for kind of teaching us as parents how to help them do that and and what to do when they get frustrated for example i'm looking here on um pages 89 through um 91 92 and it's just talking about how we help our children um, when they ask for help when they're feeling frustrated and I love this part for example it says when she says I can't help her break her goal down into small manageable tasks for example if she says I can't draw a house walk her through it find a piece of paper Think of what shape of house you want to draw. Look around the room at other things with the same shape. Do you want to draw our house? Let's go outside and draw while looking at it. Do you want to draw another kind of house? You can look through books, for examples. We can take a walk around the neighborhood. Look at the house you are drawing. What do you see? What can you add to your drawing? What else does a house have? So I just think it's a really gentle approach to um, helping our children through their own projects. And then in the next section, it talks about when they are wrong. If you see your child headed off in the wrong direction, don't jump in to correct him. Wrong turns can lead to great discoveries, and self-caught, self-corrected mistakes are more likely to be understood and remembered. I thought that was very wise um, advice there. It goes on to say, if your child is attempting to, say, attach a heavy wheel to a cardboard box with flimsy tape, let him try and fail. Several things might happen. One, you have jumped the gun and that was only the first part of his plan. Two, he will figure it out himself and try something else and continue until he succeeds. Three, he will become frustrated and you can step in to help him focus on trying other solutions. Each of those scenarios is much more valuable than simply skipping over that part of the learning process. So I just love that because, you know, I don't always, as a parent, think of that. When my children are struggling and going through that learning process, I sometimes want to just jump in. I'm too quick to jumping in and saying, oh, well, that's not going to work because it's too heavy. And, you know, I think that can sometimes be a frustration to our children because as the book is pointing out, that might just be a part of their plan or um, it might make them feel like they really don't know what they're doing because we always step in and try to help. And I know for our family, with the dynamics we have in our family, we have two older children, 17 and almost 15, and then our youngest is seven. And so he struggles a lot with this, with feeling like he can't do things and, um, you know, like he just, he wants to be big and catch up with his brother and sister and be an adult. And so I think allowing him to, to learn on his own and to make mistakes and to struggle through that learning process can be a good thing, can be a very, very valuable thing. So there's just a lot of of good wisdom in there on how you can help your children to do their own work to to have their own experiences in this project-based idea of homeschooling and and then different questions um, that you can ask to sort of spur them on so that's all I'll say about that book definitely one that I would recommend checking out 
next book that I want to talk about that is another good book to have as a resource that stays on your shelf and you don't loan out to people. <laughs> this one managed to stay on my shelf too. I have not loaned this one to anybody. It's called 100 Top Picks for Homeschool Curriculum. And some of you may already be familiar with this book. If you've been homeschooling for any length of time, you probably are. Um, it's by Kathy Duffy and it's been a lot around for a long time um, so this book is the uh, subtitle is choosing the right curriculum and approach for your child's learning style so it's just a great book for <laughs> basically just what it says um, choosing books curriculum for for your child's specific learning style which is so important because you know we can get hung up as homeschool moms at, on well, what is what is my friend doing how do they homeschool what curricula are they using and then we can jump from from curricula to curricula and never really settle on anything because we're you know just so busy trying out all kinds of things without really putting in the research perhaps that we need to ahead of time and I'm all for trying things and I'm all for changing if the methods not working but it's good to have resources like this that you can turn to and um, and really go through first to kind of figure out what might be the best fit of all of these different ones that look so exciting and fun <laughs> you know that's the problem with going to particularly to curriculum fairs is you really do get drawn in by a lot of the um, just clever marketing and beautiful books that you can find um, so it's just a good thing to again just go through and kind of think about your children and go through some of these assessments she has actually at the beginning um, a guide that walks you through to figure out what kind of philosophy fits best for you and for your children so that's definitely a very helpful aspect of this book. Another book that I want to talk with you about, which almost could be put in the category of curriculum, actually. Um, this is a book I was so excited to find at a curriculum fair one year. Um, it's called All Through the Ages, History Through Literature Guide. So if you do a lot of literature, which if you're life schooling, hopefully you do, and, you know, I, I know a lot of homeschoolers do rely heavily on living books, which I love. This would be a resource to have because what it does is it has every time period broken down. I'll just flip here to ancient Rome, for example. And it starts with resources for all ages. So it'll have a list of different books and resources that you can use for any age. And then it has a section, Grades 1 through 3, Overview of the Era. And it breaks it down into specific events, biography, historical fiction, and culture. And then in the next section, it's Grades 4 through 6. It has Overview of the Era. Um, and then specific events again for Grades 4 through 6, biography, historical fiction, and it just breaks it down like that. And then it has some sections too with a little more information. There's a box here that says the rise of, the, of Roman civilization. So it just gives you a little bit of an overview there as well. 
Um, and then it goes to grades 7 through 9, same categories, grades 10 through 12, and then on to a timeline of ancient Rome. So it breaks down the different major um, historical events and the times that they took place. So I just love this book. It goes through all the different ages. The next one is church history, and it has the same kind of breakdown. And then the Dark Ages from the Fall of Rome to 1066. Same breakdown with um, the different grade levels and then specific events, biography, historical fiction. So you can really use this as a resource to build out your own history curriculum, which might terrify some of you, um, but it's really not that hard because if you're basing kids learn so much through books right we all learn so much through just living books and and not textbooks textbooks are dry living books biographies historical fiction all the types of things that are are recommended in here that's where children really learn so all of this is all that this is really doing is giving you basically a structure to build out okay this year we're going to study these time periods, let's pick two or three books from, from each of these sections and, and you'll go through them. And here's your assignments. And you know, you could just do like I've done with, with my son. Now he's older now, but I've just assigned a book. We did it with business this last year. I assigned him one book for business. Um, I can't remember if I did one book, I believe I was doing one book a month. And so I would just assign that at the beginning of the month. I'd say, you have to have this done by the end of the month and I want a one page report on it. Pretty simple, really. I mean, I wasn't asking for a 30 page, um, <laughs> you know, uh, 30 page report on the thing. So just, just a one page report. So I knew that he read it, he understood it and what did he learn from it? And that's the type of thing you could do with a book like this is just make your history really simple. Just have them read the books, write out a little report for you, and you're done. Um, it doesn't have to be complicated. I'm amazed. I truly am amazed at how much my children have learned. <laughs> this is going to sound really bad without me teaching them. <laughs> um, but it's true because they have maintained their excitement, their joy in learning over the years, and, and they enjoy reading. So they have read a lot of things and picked up on a lot of things that I never taught them. Um, so it's just, reading is so foundational. It's so important. And if you haven't picked up on that by now that I'm a big, huge fan of reading, then you need to go back and listen to some more podcasts. But definitely, I think this is a great way of handling history. If you're not like the strict curriculum type of person. Or even if you are, it's a great supplement. Great way to supplement that. Finally, the last book that I want to talk about with you is called Learning in Spite of Labels. Now again, this is one of the books that I have not read fully. I have just skimmed through and read bits and pieces of it. Um, but I was privileged to be able to hear Joyce Herzog, the author speak on a webinar about maybe a year ago, maybe a little bit more. So one of the things about that webinar that really 
made an impact on me um, was she had an exercise at the beginning that she had us all do. And it's actually in her book on pages four and five, right at the beginning. So she had us, she said, I'm going to have you write on a piece of paper the date at the top. And then under that, you're going to write the city and the state where you live. And she said, but here's the trick. You're going to hold this piece of paper with one hand on your forehead and with your other hand you're gonna you're gonna write without looking at it so no mirror no nothing like you just have to hold it on your forehead and write this information and wow that that was hard so she says in her book write now but don't take the paper down until you read the next paragraph did you have to think about the direction to move your pen did you forget which letter or number came next? Was it more difficult than usual? Did you do your best? Take the paper down now and look at your work. Did you reverse any letters or numbers? Did you write the whole thing in mirror writing? How was your letter formation and spacing? What grade would you get if I graded your paper for handwriting with a group of papers where the students were allowed to write normally? How would you feel if I judged you on the basis of this paper? How would you feel if everyone else in the room could write normally and you had to continue writing this way for the rest of the year but were graded on the same norms as everyone else? How would you feel if you could only make improvements by looking in a mirror and never could take the paper down? Many people reverse letters and write poorly. Many very good writers with exceptional writing ability will find that their paper resembles that of a young learning disabled child. Why? What changed? Your learning ability? No. Your skill level? No. The only change was the orientation of the paper in relation to your body. One small change with major effect. But isn't that what we do to children when they enter school? I just, it was such a powerful moment to do that exercise and realize, wow, there are children, this is how they feel. Children who are dyslexic or learning disabled, um, this is how they feel. They literally can't do it. They're trying their best, but they can't do it. So that was very impactful on me and that's when I decided I needed to pick up a copy of Joyce's book um, even though I don't have learning disabled children I just wanted to understand them better and understand how how you can teach a child that struggles like that and um, and so definitely it's a book that I would recommend to you if you have a child who's learning disabled um, and even if not I just think that there's some really good practical wisdom in here um, for anybody to take advantage of. I thought this was a very interesting thing also that she says on page 31. She says, is there such a thing as learning disabilities? After 25 years working in the field, I'd honestly have to say I don't know. Don't leave, listen a moment. Learning disabilities has been defined, and therefore it exists. Yet diagnosis is merely a judgment call based on comparing one child with an average child on several issues. Some people learn more easily than others. Some need more help in different ways and in different subjects. 
All people need help in some way learning something, yet all people can learn given the proper environment for learning and the appropriate, for them, methods and materials. Once I had honed my skills as a teacher, I felt confident I could teach any student almost anything if the student was cooperative, we had enough time, I was able to control the learning environment. So I just thought that that was a very interesting observation that she makes. And again, I think it goes back to being careful about labeling our children and, and not putting them in a box and not thinking of them as, well, now that they have this label, they can only achieve this level of learning. Um, we just have to be very careful when we use any sort of label. And that goes for the gifted label as well. That's another label that I think gets used um, um, probably maybe not too much, but just we just have to be careful with that label because that label also can put pressure on our children. It can make them feel as though they have to perform. Um, and it can cause us sometimes as parents to have a sense of pridefulness of um, having these super bright children that are somehow better than other children, which certainly couldn't be farther from the truth. So I love this book. I love Joyce's philosophy, and that is one that I definitely would recommend to you if it's something that would be useful in your home. And that, I believe, wraps up my list of recommended how-to homeschooling books. And with that, we'll wrap up this episode. Thank you for joining us today. Please, if you enjoy this podcast, be sure that you go and um, give us good reviews on um, iTunes and the other platforms, whatever you use. And join us next time as we talk to Christy Deason. Christy Deason and I will be discussing co-ops and the good, the bad, and the ugly about co-ops. So I hope you'll join us next time for another episode of Life as a Life Schooler.